The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. My standards are as high as my heels, roughly four inches. (laughs) (laughs) I love betches, just not crazy about bitches. Oh, you guys, I love a turn on words. There's nothing that brings me more joy than a tagline like that. And I guess like the one I'm looking at here in the cloth, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 400 something. I truly couldn't tell you. And I'm so excited for a double deep dive. This guest and I talking succession, talking VPR, combining our powers united as one. So let me just introduce her so we can get off to the races. You know her as co-founder and chief creative officer at Betches Media, host of the Morning Announcements podcast, and someone who is as obsessed with all things HBO. Goddamn, Max. We're not pretending to say Max. Max not, is dead to us. Not, in, not until it's like they're paying us to do so. For real. Um, yeah. But Lord knows this conversation is going to be priceless, as well as Vanderpump Rules. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Sammy Sage. Sammy, how are we? I am fabulous. I am. I, I mean, I'm obsessed with this cloth, first of all. <laughs> Recording in person, what a blessing. I mean, I don't do it for everybody, but I really wanted us to, you know, make it happen in person. Mm. And like I told you before, like we are talking about the only two things that have consumed my brain for the past two months. Oh my God. We have been on a strict schedule of Wednesday to Saturday, Vanderpump, Mm -hmm. and Sunday to what day? Tuesday? I have no idea. Succession. (laughs) And I just, you know, these are like, they're just two sides of the same coin. Mm. We have the incredible question of who will succeed Logan Roy. And we have Mm. the incredible question of are Tom Sandoval and Raquel still together? Or do you prefer Rachel? So I am one of the people out there. I don't know why it is. I honestly feel bad that I'm not participating in the Rachel joke because I know that it makes people happy. And I love that journey for them. It just, I honestly would be lying if I called her Rachel. Not to say I don't want to take it away from anybody. I get the joke. I get the humor. It's just not my, it's not my love language. I I, call her Raquel. I get what you're saying. I also have been calling her Raquel just because that's what I've always known her as. That's the thing. I find it hard to, because Rachel is like the person who's wherever the fuck she is in Arizona. Like Raquel is the person who is on our screens And I can't really switch to Rachel, but I give it to Ariana for doing so. Yeah, I mean, Ariana definitely on Call Her Daddy was big into the Rachel naming. Do you think, do you happen to know if any of the actual cast members knew her name was Rachel before? Like, were they close enough to know that? I don't think that they would have cared because the dynamic had been set with Jason Jacks and also... 
it doesn't feel like a thing until we understand the greater narrative. And then when there's the question of, is this person fake? It becomes an LOL that her birth name was not Raquel. But for me, it's like, I think it's enough to go by her behavior. I think that's that's sort of enough of a narrative for me. I don't need the added bonus. And I I personally, if I was calling her Rachel this entire time as like a tongue in cheek, I just think the actions are so intense and something that I want to explore that the nickname of it all, it's just not, it's, it would be unorganic of me to do that. Cause I just, for whatever reason, I'm just kind of not a part of that dynamic. I get it. We can, that is something that can be analyzed in the deleted scenes. Yes. But <laughs> and that's the Annie's girl but, secrets reveal. Yeah. But my, but my feeling is more like, okay, it's not whether they cared. It's mm. more about representative, how close they actually were to her. Like, were mm. they close enough to know that she was going by this name? Not for any harmful reason. Like they knew that Jax was really Jason. So, it's more, my, my question's more like, did they learn this almost as like, oh my God, and she has a name we never knew about? Or was it like, okay, well, that's not a big deal in reality, but we'll now kind of like use it to sort of be snarky about her. I think it's both. I think it's, okay, well, she, apparently her name isn't Raquel, which ordinarily I don't think would be a big thing. A lot of people Right, have, I don't think it would be a big thing either. Right, have birth names that are different names than their nicknames, or maybe it's a take on a middle name, or maybe it's just the way someone is trying a, you know, a shoe on for size. Like, I was this person when I was back home, and then I decided to start a new chapter. And I, th- I really, it's a great question, and I really genuinely think for them it's, it is both, and it's also a little bit of a joke within the Bravo community, too, that both the stars and the audience are saying, ostensibly, a la Lenithia Leaks, like, we see each other. You know, like, right. I feel like that's like, yes. the, there's a little bit of a volley in Ariana referring to that and to Raquel that way with Lala, with Sheena, as if to say, like, we get it. We're all in on this. We hate her now. Right. I mean, my question would be, if I were to interview any of them, would be like, were you aware that she actually had a different, that she had changed her name? Not just like before, or was that something that hit you when you learned of the affair? Because think about like from their perspective, how wild it would be. Like, oh, also she uh, has been kind of like, we didn't know anything about her, I think would be the overall sensation. Okay, I have so many questions for you. First off, I'm obsessed with your social media. Every Thank time you. you have posted something about, I mean, two of my most favorite things to discuss right now at this moment, succession, longstanding, but also VPR, there has been a little bit of a takeover. Ostensibly, Andy's Girls is a Housewives podcast. I wasn't even planning on watching Vanderpump Rules until this get. I mean, I've, see, I've seen every season. I've seen every episode at least, I would say probably at least twice. But I wasn't planning on like being connected to it until all things Scandaval. And now I'm I find myself deep into the midst of all of this. I feel like I'm in the fucking jungle at this point, which is why I'm really excited to chat with you about this. And a big part of it because of your, you know, the dream that Betches has been for so many people and also the voice is uniquely and specifically, I think, women focused not to say that the audience is uniformly women, but there is a perspective there that I think is so interesting and specific when we're talking about Vanderpump Rules. Now, you're talking about questions that you would ask a VPR cast member potentially about all things Raquel. What would your conversation be like if you were to chat with Raquel? 
for the Betches audience, but also for yourself? Wow. So, I mean, I hadn't really thought much about that. Yeah. Because I'm what I've been kind of harping on is like, what really happened? Yeah. Like, I think that there, there's obviously so much interaction that colored what went on mm-hmm. that it wasn't, you know, this didn't just happen the, in what we saw. There must have been hours and hours of conversations, of dynamics that shift, especially because like they leave off filming in September mm-hmm. and this breaks in March. So what were they, I mean, we have certain information filled in from the Call Her Daddy podcast, and they, we know they went to Big Bear. But like all this other time, what was going on? So I would want to know kind of like factually, like honestly, what, when did this start? Like when did you start feeling like excited that he was in the room with you? And it, before you were like physical even, before you were, you know, what what like drew you to him? What yeah. was your first interactions? Like what were the first things you connected on? And not just like dumb answers like couch how like really like what how did it become like that you two were your own thing out of this group when she was coming to this group late? You know? Mm. It's not like oh Sheena and Sandoval could go to the Abbey and hang and it'd be like, okay, they've been friends a long time. She inserted herself. So I mean I wouldn't be like, oh you inserted yourself, you clumsy interloper. I would be like what was your initial how did the earliest connections form and like when were they really were they on text what was what like began and then honestly like over this when this first broke I was just like what a horrible horrible bitch like that's so terrible but now kind of over time and I'm not saying that how she's handling it is good and I think she seems really 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 just robotic and not connected to what she did on the reunion reunion at all. But I would just sort of want to know, like, who do you think that like you are? Who and, and forget this show. Pretend that you can never come on the show again. Pretend you were never to be judged by a public person ever again. Pretend this isn't even going anywhere public. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like? What were you feeling? What was this giving you? And do you feel that like this is who you are or do you or do you feel like oh my god I need to reorient myself entirely that's such a good question and there was like a note that I made to myself at one point when I watched the episode where she was talking about the fact that she's been going through a transitional phase and she talked about the pendulum swinging in one direction. And I was like, first off, who taught you what a pendulum was? Number one. <laughs> Sandoval. I Boundaries, mean, for, pendulums. For real. All of that phrasing coming directly from his mind into her mouth. Um, but when she was talking about a transitional phase, it occurred to me when she's talking about the pendulum is like, the affair wasn't an exception to her experience. It was the entirety of it. It was the example of her finding independence. The affair wasn't separate from that. It was her form of finding independence, which I think is why some of her reactions have been shocking to many of us watching. But like you feel like she's not understanding other people's pain as a part of that choice. I think for a part of her, there's such a misunderstanding of her choice eliciting pain from other people because for her the choice that she made was a part of her growth it wasn't separate from that it wasn't an exception to the growth it was because she did this thing with Tom it was how she was able to find herself it wasn't so I think for her processing that this was a bad decision I don't know that she understands that 
because I think she genuinely believes that this is a part of my purpose. This is how I'm moving forward is moving forward with this man. Exactly. And I think he convinced her that they were their plan was going to work. Yeah. To get Ariana off. And like, I think it could have worked because you know that you would have had people defending him if it if it if he had actually got, gotten achieved what he planned, which I think we understand what that was, was to like break off in the off season, villainize Ariana. Maybe right. she would leave anyway. And then he he and Markel would just have their friendship would have blossomed. I've always right. blah, blah, blah. And they were feeding those seeds in the mid season when they went to BravoCon. Mm-hmm. So I think that, okay, if you're Raquel's therapist, I think most people, I mean, I'm not a therapist. Most people, most therapists do not have the benefit of watching their patient's narrative play out before they get to their consultation, for example. Mm. But if I'm Raquel's therapist, I have seen the way she came on the show and how she spoke about her own childhood. I think that she, and I don't want to like take away the blame from her. Obviously like she had agency and this was all really, really wrong. But at this point, like she is so persona non grata that I feel just more interested in finding in understanding where it came from and how it started. And like, I think you can almost map the, their emotional affair onto her growth. If you watch it back, I don't know if you've watched season nine back since this. Okay, so but, I haven't seen season nine. I've only seen. Oh, uh, okay. I am not a Get cheater, ready. and apologies for using that yeah. word, but like I really don't skip. See, I am a completionist, with the exception of one season of Orange County. I haven't watched and la- and because we're on ten, right? Last yeah. season, I've only seen the reunion because I heard it was really yeah. bad. So I'm a housewife girl by nature. I'm not a VPR lady. I understand that. I understand that. I thought season eight was bad. I kind of skipped yeah, that season one. Season eight was also bad. Season eight was like <laughs> why I why I kind of like was like iffy on it for yeah. a little bit. But I act. This is what I do with them. Like if I'm not like obsessed with a show in the moment, mm-hmm. I'll kind of save it for like maybe midway through or like after totally. it's even over. That. Yeah. So with that season, I did that, and I actually didn't think it was that bad. Okay, maybe like, I need to go back. I and and this it not it wasn't great, but it, yeah. I didn't think it was like terrible, I, terrible. And so I watched it. I was like, I don't even remember what I thought of it because it wasn't eventful. And then after this happened, I went back and watched it, and I watched certain episodes of it even more than twice at this point. And you can like see her transition through the affair, even though they didn't technically break up until after, or sorry, her and James didn't break up until like right before the reunion. His reactions at the reunion are just, Sandoval's are just bizarre. And my theory is that there was a one night stand that they're referring to, but that happened like, before she even broke up with James. So you think that do you think that's what the part 3 reveal is going to be the timeline? I don't think oh, that will don't? be the reveal. Oh, you don't think that's separate from it. No, I just think this in general. I don't think okay. that will be the reveal. Interesting. I think the reveal is going to be something like I don't know, maybe that like Lisa heard a rumor. Mm. That's one of the rumors. People have said rumors or but that's kind of the one I believe. Which she has publicly denied. She said she was in fact the last to know. Cause because Ariana called production. So Yeah. She was in fact among the last to know. I find that one of the more believable things okay. it could be. Or it could be that their one night stand happened at Coachella. Mm. But I think in reality it happened even before that because mm. you see his reaction to like how that breakup went. And then when they were filming in her little apartment, she was like, we always said that we wouldn't do this. And it's like, what do you mean you always said? This just started six months ago. Like six months is not always, you know? 
So I don't know. There are just like a lot of watching their behavior back. I think it seems like there are signs there. But to your point, I do think that growth that she calls it is really like jumping from the validation of pageantry and competing with women in pageants to looking for the validation of competing with like by grabbing this man's attention. And you saw how devastated she was to be done with pageants. Like she really felt very, I think, empty after it. And Mm -hmm. I think it gave her a lot of like validation that she was beautiful and had a good personality and was well-rounded. And now I think the way she was trying to find that validation was through the number one guy in the group who was going to phase out his girlfriend of nine years and pick her next. So I think we're looking at a person who was like very, very empty and had only learned how to find validation from her appearance and men giving her attention. I think it probably comes from like her very difficult upbringing. And my hope would be that she could like see this about herself and realize like, okay, we need to have like a clean slate and figure out who I am and why I've been doing this and then figure out how to fill that hole in other ways. Why do we assume that she wants that? I'm saying a self-aware person would want that. Like, I don't think she wants that. I don't, I don't think she knows. I don't know if she has as clear of like a, a understanding of her like own emptiness. And I think that's the, she's like a, she very, seems like a very lost person. Yeah. And I think that from the perspective of what we're hearing of her potentially being somewhere where she's seeking treatment, I mean, I think that there is a narrative being shared that that is happening because she is in, uh, because she needs treatment and she needs some sort of care. And the concern for me is that she's going from one form of control to the other, from Tom back to her parents noting that her parents I don't think ever released control while she was with Tom she just or with James or with James she just decided to sort of ignore that or find a way to substitute it and swap it out and the ways that her parents have seemed to respond to this advising her to do the TRO and other examples that haven't necessarily worked out and I think the ways that people on her team thought that they might I just wonder for them like the purpose of her seeking treatment and seeking care, how much of that was determined according to factors that aren't necessarily primarily about making decisions that are done with as much focus on like her working on herself as as much as other factors here. I don't know if that makes any sense. And I'm sort of talking around it a little bit. No, I think you're right. I mean, it's unclear even what or where she's receiving mental health care. And that's not even like our response. You know, no, it's not our problem. Right. But I, to your point, I completely agree. It's just going back to the parents. And it seems just based on the stories that we've sort of, that have come out, that there's almost like a war of control for Raquel and who she will, wants to stick to. Like, is she sending sand of all the postcards or is she trying to like recover her image and seek treatment. I do think a lot of this, it was driven by like drug, it was drug and alcohol fueled. Mm -hmm. So she could just be even maybe receiving treatment for that, which is like its own thing. I think they've explicitly said that she isn't, which I thought was interesting. But do we like believe what everyone's saying? I I don't know. Sandoval made a huge point of saying like what he wants in a woman is someone to like 
trip out on shrooms with, which I thought was an interesting. I mean, like, and I actually heard that from somebody after Andy's Girls Live was like, how much of a, how much of a, um, how much do you think that potentially drugs or some sort of controlled substance play into some of this? Because that scene with them and the fucking galaxy lights was wild. I mean, I don't know that they were altered, but who knows? Who knows what kind of impact that had? But that doesn't make somebody have a seven month affair and cheat on whom. I mean, like, well, she's I still- think they're like sort of chasing the dragon together almost yeah i think the thing that was so bizarre about the like i want to do shrooms till the sunset comes up and go hang gliding it's like ariana did those things she just did them at like a more adult pace Mm. and that's why i do think it seems like there's this shared pursuit of like adventure and fun and drugs and the secret the secret of it, because at least even now that it's been open and out there, they haven't even had really time to just like be mm. as a couple. It's like the world is probably it's kind of like everyone involved in Raquel, everyone in her ear has some sort of interest in her. Sandoval, it's saving their saving face and getting them on the show or what, whatever it is. He whatever's financially and reputationally more be- better for him. And then her parents are probably like the closest thing to actually looking out for her own good. But I imagine that a lot of it is driven by like their own, their desire to avoid embarrassment and for their own safety. Control her as they're trying to control the narrative. Right. And I think they care more about the narrative than like her own work. But the truth is that if she did the work, the narrative would follow. Yeah. And I think that that's what everybody here is missing. If they would take any level of accountability, even if they did want to be together like this was horrible and we're really sorry i think that the narrative could improve over time but be, the uh, the longer they double down they just seem like more pathological well i think a part of the issue is here too is the fact that it's all seemingly the decision to have the affair was based on an exchange of information and potentially like dangling the carrot of hope that Tom extended to Raquel and the difficulty I think of how she's processing this reunion is being like, wait a second, what he said about intimacy to me is not what I'm hearing on this stage when it's not just Tom's voice, it's other people countering that. So Tom, explain to me what I'm not understanding because I'm not at the point of this journey with you to realize that maybe I've been misled. So I need you to help to help me direct myself because what I'm hearing is that, wait, maybe your relationship with Ariana wasn't as bad. It wasn't that I was rescuing you in your eyes from this terrible dynamic. Like maybe you guys were still fucking each other. Like it helped me make sense of this, which was kind of the cringiest parts of what we just watched play out. Right. Well, you you heard her ask when when she's watching it in the trailer, Sansval is asked, why didn't you tell Ariana sooner once you decided you were going to be with Raquel and she's like wait I want to hear how he answers this yeah how did she not because know how my, did she not know well my guess is that she, he was telling her something different than whatever whatever he was they, they wanted she wanted to see what he was going to say there but to me Sandoval had the problem that he had too much time to kill before the next season mm. because he wasn't this wasn't just about the relationship. He's the first one to say that he and Ariana were about the brand. They were about the partnership. So I don't think whatever he felt for anybody is 
I don't even, can he feel like he's excited about Raquel, but there's not really chemistry. He's bored of Ariana because he's bored of like a, the, all the marking, the makings of a long-term relationship. And he, but he needed to keep Ariana in so that he could part with her peacefully and mutually because then you have the problem of the house and the loan. And he probably wanted her to agree to take on half of the loan obligation. And that could only happen if they did this like, oh, we're going to split and we'll figure out the house together amicably. And then he just fell into his relationship with Raquel later. But that only works if he does this like as the good guy. I don't even know how much of Tom was thinking about. I mean, this could be just very. He was thinking about money. I think he was thinking about money. But I think the way that he was talking about their relationship and dynamic, as you said, the brand was a big part of that. And I think for him, Ariana threatening to leave the show was a devastating um, potential punishment to Tom that he's thinking in his head, like, this can't happen. I can't lose her because then I lose this thing. And everything else is caught up in that. The music, the celebrity, the fame, the goodwill, potentially dynamics with Lisa, whatever else. I think he felt like how do I move forward from this without getting hurt in the ways that will hurt me the most? I think losing Ariana was like 15th in line after everything else. And that's what we're now watching play out. I think he has a very vested interest in portraying the show, pushing through a narrative that he was the victim or survivor of their relationship because to do that supports a narrative that he had tried that he attempted to portray during the latter half of filming and has not been received well because during that time he had already started fucking Raquel. Don't you think it's interesting that right when their affair started kicking up, when they say that it started right, kicking which up I, September, I still have I have no fucking idea yeah. when it was. I think it was as you said, a lot earlier. It, it literally can't be September because no one just goes from, oh, we have never done anything before to I am going to break up with my nine-year girlfriend for you and I'm going to start manipulating this TV show. The fact that he started wanting to show their real relationship mm-hmm. and for the first time to- for the first time he starts he starts blaming her out of after six seasons of this he starts blaming her it's not really fair we don't really get to show our relationship then he starts making these like weird conversations with her to ostensibly do that and it's like you only wanted to start doing that once you were already fucking Raquel and it was convenient to craft a narrative that there was a a normal symbiotic breakup and then if our but again that would be jeopardized if Ariana left the show people would be like why'd she leave the show if it was fine he's and then people would start picking up the clues because they already suspected it right and I think that that just wouldn't have worked for him yeah I think free will for Tom is like the worst case scenario especially when it comes to girls that he's seeing and even the way that he talked on Howie Mandel about uh, I was the one who who wanted us to talk more freely and openly about our relationship not being good. I was the one who said to Jeremiah whom, or whomever on production that we needed to be talking about the scandal. But it's like, sweetie, you didn't tell anybody you were fucking Raquel when it happened. <laughs> right. You were telling people after, after allegedly Ariana had already called production and said, guess what my boyfriend was fucking doing? And they got cameras up. It wasn't Tom is the way that Tom is portraying even his response to all of this 
I mean, it gets to the heart of the matter, which is Raquel and Tom in that fucking trailer saying, Raquel saying, they're trying to say that we're pathological liars and them saying to each other, we only lied once. Over the course of eight months, the entirety of this reality, when I was gaslighting my girlfriend, lying and manipulating to her friends, both of us conspiring to present a narrative to present day, they're still lying the day of the uh, taping for this fucking reunion. And they're saying this entire world, this universe that we have presented and performed is just one little lie. We're not conspirators, even though we created this conspiracy and have used it as leverage over other people trying to shame them for their past so they don't catch up to our present. Like, what the fuck? And also, they were trying to get Ariana, sorry, not Ariana. They were trying to get Katie off the show. That much is clear. Oh, you think? I think that this was, I think that part of the Schwartz thing was about like sidelining Katie, making her look, making her look too sensitive and crazy and like out of line and Schwartz should be able to do whatever he wanted. And that's why they were like keeping Sheena in on that whole thing. You know, I think that they were like, we got to get Katie off because she's fucking with Schwartz. I think Sandoval wanted, Sandoval... The number of people, I mean, obviously Ariana, number one, most wronged. Mm. But when you think about the way this affected the lives of so many people that they, that they just did not give a single fuck about, Schwartz, his whole, all his money is tied up in this. His relationship with his ex-wife, which was pretty good, now it is not very good. And he was so shitty to her. They basically manipulated him into being a huge asshole to her. He now loses his connection to her family, which clearly was important and very real and somewhat deep. He screws over James, who he like pretended to be such good friends with that he paid for his engagement and then says that they're not friends at all. And it's like what they've done to the group as a whole. Also with, with Sheena, like she now looks like an idiot. She now just looks like a bitch. Like, if the restraining order hadn't happened, there would have been a whole section, I think, in the reunion last night about how, like, why Sheena didn't believe Katie and why she, like, went so hard for Raquel. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle... The Countess, n'est-ce pas, Luan? And while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. 
That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E 
O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. 
And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I want to know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets (laughs) about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give a family member or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com with code Andy's Girls for 10% off today. And thank the Jills, Aaron, and your life and mine. But it's based on incorrect information. I wouldn't even, right. I would sign up kind of Because they're lying the to Sheena. Right, but the idea of them lying as conspirators, I really think it's Raquel as like a vessel for Tom's needs. I wouldn't yes. put them in, at, as equals in that in any way. I think oh, this no. is being driven entirely by Sandoval. And Raquel's just kind of like in for the ride, maybe not even understanding where the destination is actually going to be. But I think if Sheena had the had the uh, TRO not been in, in effect, I don't think that Sheena, I think that Sheena would still be facing questions about her dynamics with Katie. But I think that everybody seemingly was on the same page, that they were m- misled and manipulated. And a part of that frustration and anger, while Sheena obviously should be held accountable, as Sheena herself said, you know, I was told a lot of information about Katie's behavior by Raquel that influenced some of my decisions. And while I'm still responsible for, you know, the actual after effect of this, obviously the dynamic was flawed and fucked from the beginning. I think there's an ability at this point for Katie and Sheena to be like, okay, well, you know, we've had ups and downs for essentially a decade. There's other stuff going on here. But right now we understand there's a greater purpose, which isn't us fucking with each other. And maybe there's also the ability because of how fucked all of this has been for us to move closer to sort of reconciling some of our issues. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that we've really seen them grow up. And Sheena says that this situation changed her and I believe her like yeah. fully. I can I feel that I can see that already. I can get a different energy from her. And it's clear that they've grown up. And that's what I think so much of this was driven by. Like these 40-year-old guys feeling like over the hill and wanting the admiration of this younger girl who thinks they're who looks at them the way that their own women looked at them when they were that age and when they felt like we aren't you know just kind of like blowing smoke up our own asses Mm -hmm. with our fake business and 
that we can't get open. But no, I think I, I absolutely think that um that Sheena would be they would have all come together anyway. Mm-hmm. But I just do think in the reunion, because it's structured by them asking questions, that right. that would have been a section like, well, what did she tell you right. that was different? You know, I think we would have gotten maybe more, more into that. Totally. But the restraining order obviously is a much bigger issue. But my point is like more that, yes, Sandoval used Raquel as a vessel, but he did this without any regard for the way it would affect all these other people is what I'm is what I mean. Like he pulled all these people into this because he lied because they're so pathological. I mean, what's so fucked up is that there was a point when Andy was like, Tom, essentially what happened that night, the night of the phone throw of whatever else. And I thought Sandoval took a healthy, dramatic theatrical pause because he knew either through some sort of strategy with Raquel, he knew that the TRO was likely being thrown out and he felt like either I have an allegiance to her or it will help my perspective or maybe it can help me use Sheena as a little bit more of a sacrifice where he was pushing forward a narrative that she still punched Raquel. And I think he knew in the moment that he was lying. And if he didn't, when he was told by other people on the couches, Tom, I was on the phone call. We were witnesses to what Sheena was saying. She didn't say that. At best, you might have overheard her. He was unwilling to acknowledge that and was digging in his heels. He was still attempting to sacrifice Sheena in order to help his narrative, which if I was Sheena in that moment, when she's telling him, shut the fuck up, there's still legal proceedings going on. You're harming me in this. And also you might be knowingly lying. If I was Sheena, noting she already sort of broke up with him as a friend, I would never get over that over that in that moment because unbeknownst to Sheena, there's this like performative art with this fucking, you know, like Google alert right, printout, fake. this fake yeah. thing she doesn't know is fake nor does Andy in that moment. It's Bravo doesn't know either. Bravo doesn't know either. It's a performative act. It happened, was fake filed the day of taping for a specific strategic reason, which is so fucked up. Because she didn't want to do the reunion for the whole time. Well, because she wanted, because she, because someone knew that having this fake document would help her look like she was closer to taking responsibility for her actions, including uh, having regret about filing the TRO and happening in such a way the day of the reunion where it would have been too late, even if the filing had been allowed for them to make any changes. They had already done everything possible as far as production to make sure the 100 yards away and whatever else. And this was a performative act to say, listen, I regret this. But the the regret only happened the day of the reunion when it was too late for any of this stuff potentially to be uh, changed. But for Tom in that moment, potentially knowing this or not, to say, I am going to dig in on this. Let's pretend he didn't know about any of this information or that document being shared. That makes it worse in my mind because he's thinking, even if I misheard it, it helps me more to make Sheena look bad, which if I was Sheena watching this episode again, I would not be able to move on from that moment when he was like, I understand there's legal ramifications and that's not enough. Right. I mean, after what she said about him and to him in the second finale, that is it's it. I don't know how to diagnose it. I'm just I can't even I don't know the right word for it, but he just has zero 
belief that anyone other than him is a human. And it's just very clear with the way he is willing to treat his friends and throw them under the bus and pretend that they aren't really that close and Ariana and him aren't really that close and that they haven't had sex in what, like two weeks, you know? And it's the the way he really did. Like he was a tornado to this group's dynamics. And then ironically, they all seem to be like more unified than ever after this. But he, sorry, there was, oh. Tell me. Um, something that something else that stuck out to me last night was when he went into her trailer sort of at that break and was like, we need time to talk. To me, that was very clear that he needed time to like coach her, get 100%. their stories straight. Absolutely agree. So that was like incredibly transparent. So he throws a fit. Now I'm really excited to see what will she say that he was because he couldn't, you know, couldn't get her wrangled. You should write her a note. You should write her a note. Apparently, that's his favorite thing to do, a postcard, so that yeah. everyone can kind of see what's being written. Yeah, I mean, that would be the, like, smart thing, but he is not – I really don't think he's that bright. Did you see his Instagram stories about – uh, what was it, Glamour? Yeah. So stupid. Well, I mean, it is – It is some. there is something to be said for the fact that the the piece of media he would be most offended by is one that has to deal with his nail polish. That's the thing that makes Tom Sandoval upset. You can come for his spirit and soul, but don't come for his glam. And I think that said an awful lot, not only about the ways that he looks at people's perception of who he is, but what he values the most. I mean, it's all artifice don't come for the costume but for many of us we're like sweetie like the costume is the soul your soul is the fucking that's the thing that you were disguising most of all isn't that the most problematic thing that a person could write there have been so many writers who've written incredible pieces about him being a piece of shit but he didn't acknowledge that he targeted an article being written for a women focused magazine making writing a very like witty and dry piece about how do we move forward and paint our nails white when Tom sucks like that's what he was so upset by it is I mean isn't that Tom Sandoval in a nutshell Right. It, you have to wonder when he, when, or sorry. Do you get that? that no, the, okay. the, the buzzer went off. It's Tom okay. at the door. It's okay. Oh, I mean, he's coming I gave him us. a different apartment. I gave good. him a different apartment. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, you're right. I think all artifice is the exact way to describe him. This entire, and then you can go think back and be like, oh, he has been crafting the whole time. That is all he's ever been doing. He's been producing parties and costumes and I think it seems like he even does this in his real life because I don't know if you listen to the podcasts of you know the uh the cast members when yes. they go on each other totally and, and I've talk. been loving it I mean I find it so interesting because yeah. and that's what I actually think is so special about the show these are real friends mm. they were not cast to just create content they are real people who have like friends and people around them that are really involved in these situations, even if they're not filmed, which gives them all so much more intel and insight because let's say their group of people, their their social circle is like 20 to 25 people. Now they have all of those people who can provide insight into some things that they each didn't see because they, they were flaunting this. Yeah. And there is that other point. I mean, Sheena, I thought was 
such a devastating part of part two, the way that she was breaking down, the way that she was talking about how her work as a parent has been affected. Her child at one point crying because she's her young child, her toddler seeing her mom in pain and reacting to that with an expression of her own pain. I mean, there, there are so many layers to what, how this has impacted other members of the cast with Sheena being like primary number one after obviously a gap between Ariana and everyone else. But I'm watching that scene and I'm watching Tom Sandoval on point be like, listen, I was only a piece of shit for like eight months or whatever, but you've known me for 15 years. How dare you think I'm a lesser person because of eight months? Because when we do the math here, according to the way I've presented myself to you, there's been so much more time where I wasn't a piece of shit. So you are only allowed to think I was a piece of shit during this other time frame. I can't be punished for anything else. And I'm just wondering to myself, like, okay, well, he's obviously a total piece of shit even in communicating that. But how do you process if you're Sheena? How do you look at the entirety of a friendship, understanding that the entirety of this man is in many ways incredibly flawed? Does he have a point that you shouldn't take away from the closeness we had because in the last year, I really kind of fucked you up? Well, it's like it's like Roman Roy said. To Kendall. Dad mm. told you first, but he told me last. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we wanted to make it just about like the absolute amount of time that someone acted like a piece of shit, then yeah. none of them would be friends with Kristen at this moment by Sandoval's calculation. Right. I think it's obviously, look, there's a balance. Do I think that they will never be able to speak again? I don't know. It depends how Sandoval conducts himself in the next probably five to 10 years. I don't think that it is. Of course, I think she should throw out all of that because of what he did here, because it's it's enough. I agree with it's yeah, enough. It's enough. And also, he hasn't even apologized like he, he hasn't still even hasn't he's still doing this. Right. He's still doing this. And he just of course, I mean, if someone's like, OK, Bernie Madoff got his clients lots of returns all those years. And then the last time when everyone lost their money, like. You don't, it's not like, oh, well, he did all this great stuff for us. It's like, no, the whole thing was a sham. Right. And you were a worse person than you presented yourself as. You weren't this good friend. I think it really creates a lot of trust issues. Like, sure, because, and yeah, like, what, what else have you lied about? Yeah, and the reality is they both used the goodness that Ariana and the group felt for them to disguise their ill behavior. He mm-hmm. used the goodness, the good friendship, the support, the kindness, the effort, whatever else, to actively detract and disguise and discount any question that he was having an affair. It wasn't, as he said, and during the finale episode, she should have just followed me around. The point was people were it's following insane. him. They were tracking him. Sheena did have a sit down with Ariana and said in in the way, in the best kind of show of friendship and sisterhood, and said, I care about you. I care about Tom. I care about Raquel. Something is up. And Ariana took in that information and said, thank you for sharing that with me. I trust my boyfriend. And looking back, I think that was such a show of sisterhood that I think Ariana respects and appreciates, even though in the moment she was like, I I trust my man. And that's what he depended on. He depended on the idea that even if people found out they would so trust him because of the decade prior 
because of his closeness with Sheena, with everyone else, because of his good deeds, he actively used that to mislead people, which is where I think he finds himself without, you know, a a leg to stand on, you know? That's why it doesn't really matter if he was maybe a good friend in questionable degrees now looking back. Because, yeah, he just weaponized all of that. He weaponized the fact that everybody, quote, trusted him because he was the good guy. And he landed Sheena in like a really, really terrible, potentially very precarious situation for that would affect her child. It's just it's fucked up. It was really fucked up. But I I do happen to think that Sheena has evolved from this. Like mm. I can sense I totally feel like so I can much sense growth. it. Yeah. 100% so much growth. But I mean, I think he I think he did not care. I think that <sighs> not enough. Oh, there was something. Oh, please. I mean, one of the most disgusting things I thought that he said was why didn't you why didn't you follow me Mm. like okay we're we're supposed to not trust you but I another reason I think that Ariana took so much for granted you know was so wary of rumors is because she's been on this show for 10 years and she's probably used to having chirping in her ear about about Sandoval about cast members and I think that that probably leaves leads someone to a lot of confusion about like what is someone saying to me because I'm they're saying it to me and what is someone saying to me either because of the show or like set up something for the show or like to save themselves something so I think that and that's probably and I think she's always kind of said that she's you know she's never seemed to be like the biggest lover of being on the show So my sense is that she was probably willing to overlook a lot of things because she was like, first of all, going through a lot of grief yeah, and was kind of just, I can't deal with these rumors. It's just, I've been enough of it, you know? Such a good point. And I think it's something that he obviously took advantage of. And it's something that, you know, as you said, in listening to, I'm behind on some of the cast member podcast stuff, but there was a conversation that Lala had, I think, on at least her podcast, if not hers and someone else's. I forget if it was Sheena's or Kristen's or whatever the fuck else. But, you know, the fact that the the moment that Lala was trying to have a conversation with Ariana about, you know, something's up with Tom, Ariana stopped production and had a little bit of a freak out because she felt like Lala was manipulating whatever was going on for plot. And Ariana was very upset about her relationship being used and manipulated that way. There was obviously a a question of optics. And I think what Ariana really appreciated with Sheena talking about stuff with her is the fact that it was done off camera. But the tension here is the fact that while I understand, appreciate and respect that that was done off camera, the point of the show in many ways is to discuss this stuff. So it's a weird gray area because you're upset about this person. You think that they're lying to manipulate things about the show. But the flip side of that is, regardless of if they are, that's oftentimes the universe we find ourselves in. The environment is toxic. Right. And she was the first one to say it. Because yes, if she pursues this conversation with Sheena and she's like, yeah, I want to hear more, then it becomes part of the show. Because then she has to investigate. Right. And then it's like, oh, this is, you know, it, I just don't think it's avoidable. I mean, they have avoided things like that on certain housewife shows, but it's really, really hard. And I think with this this crowd, they're not as interested in like protecting each other and, mm. and producing something that will make them all look good mm-hmm. as much as they're inter- interested in kind of just like making a show. But no, I think that the trust of that, that's, this is actually where I came up with that idea or this thought that I, that, um, this is where I came, I've like 
form this assumption from that on Lala's podcast where she was saying that Ariana tried to shut down production because she was afraid of this. And I imagine that that permeated kind of all of their interactions. Yeah. And it's something that Tom was able to use as to and as his advantage. If someone is telling you something is going on, they're only doing it because we're on a reality TV show and they're only doing it to make plots. So not only are they lying and I am your good boyfriend who would never do that, but also look at that person as bad. He's able to use it as a way to manipulate other relationships outside of his own so that maybe Ariana is looking at Lala with suspicion. Maybe she's thinking, you're the kind of person who's going to lie about my relationship on camera to drive your own storyline forward. Like these, this is the way that betrayal can permeate and can affect other relationships. This is in many ways what Tom is relying on. This is one of the reasons why people in the cast and the audience are really fucking mad because of the waves of this. Look at Katie and Sheena, who weren't going to be best friends without this and already had their own issues with each other. But seeing the waves of how some of this manipulation and how the lives have helped protect Tom from everybody else while putting people at odds with each other. I mean, it's it's really fucked up. That's why I agree with Lala that Tom Sandoval is dangerous. Like, may, yes. you know, I really strongly agreed with Lisa Vanderpump on that. Like, maybe he's not a... You disagree a, with Lisa Vanderpump. I disagree. Yeah. 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 Maybe he's not going to be a physical abuser, but there's many different types of 100%. abuse. What he did, I would put in the category of emotional ma- manipulation and abuse. I mean, again, not a therapist, but like, it really is so... When you watch it, it's so clear and so damaging to like... Just imagine being lied to your face for Mm. at least eight months. That is traumatic. Right. And then the financials, who knows what ultimately will happen with that. He took out, you know, he borrowed all this money from his mom. Like, that is dangerous. I don't care if it's not physically dangerous, but, you know, there are a lot of dangers in having a man who is betraying you and then you allow them into your life. Yeah, and there's something so creepy and cringe about some conversations around boundary crossing because I think of that conversation around I'm like literally closing my eyes, you guys. <laughs> I'm telling this yeah. to Sammy, but like the conversation around James's behavior and his issues with drinking and his issues with crossing boundaries and potentially touching someone without their consent at some event and the way that many things can't be true at once because according to Tom and presenting that narrative his intention in talking about that is to say that other people are acting out, which gives him an out and potentially lessens some of James's anger. The way that that was shared was so cringe to me because I, I just obviously some things are going on with James and I think he is a troubled person but the way that release of information was shared by Tom, which I thought was very manipulative, is gross to me. And that whole conversation around, well, I've done terrible things, but I would never physically touch someone. That whole dynamic was so fucked up because you're left with this release of information about James that we never really talked through, which was very disconcerting to me about his behavior and the use of alcohol in that. And 
obviously some issues there with consent, with anger, some other stuff at play. And we're framing the conversation around is Allie good for James versus is James good for his girlfriend? All of that was like very, to me, very upsetting to watch. Like, listen, it's not on her to fix him. It seems to be, though, and also Tom saying this person is also broken, so my brokenness is less bad because at least I didn't do this thing. The presentation of that as, like, scoop was so upsetting to watch because I'm thinking of, like, that poor woman at wherever the fuck they were. I forget where they were, like, a Foxwoods maybe or something or Atlantic City. Um, It just was very awkward and uncomfortable the way that Tom was sharing that information, the intent of what he was saying, and the fact that that dynamic seemingly definitely occurred. It was very uncomfortable. I mean, that was his attempt at gaining the moral high ground. But if anything, all he did was just pull them each down lower. And look, there's a reason they're all cast on this show because there's no heroes. There's no heroes. There's no heroes. There's no heroes on Bravo. Let's like I think that that's something that we need to maybe that should be my tagline. No heroes heroes. on Bravo. Like and it's fine. Like you're not on there to be a hero. Like we're not looking for Malala on Bravo. Mm. Like there's a reason that they're, you know, people who are heroes, quote unquote, are doing more heroic things and like I love this so it's not like look I'm the one I'm the number one consumer I'm not saying like oh everyone has to be a saint but it's like they are both on the show because they are they are entertaining in a fucking terrible way and like that the fact is we've seen James Kennedy be incredibly verbally abusive we've seen him say and think and that shaming yeah like he has acted terribly on the show and still does and still does he shouldn't be drinking I mean you know what? I don't want to pass that judgment but it's it's very clear that he has really done some very very terrible behavior so what Sandoval's saying I'm not like oh my god no way could never be James but I do feel that that doesn't that doesn't make the situation better like if you really have a problem then go to uh your production company and bring that up if that's really a concern but you're just using it to be like oh He's just as bad or worse than me. He's but using no, it to say you co- he's using it to say you cost me money. We lost that opportunity because of you. That's what he's saying. Right, cuz he doesn't even really ca- he's not even really thinking about, about the behavior. Woman. He doesn't care about that woman. Right. He's not thinking about the behavior. He's not thinking about the danger. He's just thinking, what can I weaponize to to, to distract people? Like maybe give them another shiny object to figure out what happened. And he had just said we're not brothers. So yeah, it's not even like dick. he's saying that because he cares about this person, he cares about their drinking. He's just doing it to shut them the fuck up. He's doing it because he know it ha- he knows it happened. He probably hasn't discussed it with James after. I'm sure that he did not, aside from like, wow, you were really acting out and now we lost some fucking money because of that. He's not saying you should change yeah. your behavior in any way. He kept it in his back pocket to release here as like, a, you know, this is a, the thing that I needed to maybe silence you for a little bit or upset you so much that you'll storm off and the attention can potentially be on your reaction to that like James to me has an issue drinking and he has a huge issue with anger and processing that him not this is the difference to me between texts that in my opinion started the affair what reason the rage text oh to from from James to to Raquel yes Raquel yeah and also her conversation around like I couldn't leave him when he was home I needed to do that after was 
we haven't even gone near them. Oh, I also the nose concerning the nose stuff. We the nose thing always felt very, very questionable to me. And he bumped my nose. And I just think Something that... is very, very dark there. Very, very dark, dark with James. And I mean, but sometimes he does read to me as like he wants to improve. But then I'm like, Sandoval also read like that to me. I think, James, there's, as, I think that James... I think that James, there's so much potential for James to work on himself. We've seen that, especially most for the longest period of time when he wasn't drinking. I think that he and what he's experienced in his childhood, the fact that he was making some joke about like, oh, I understood that at age eight. Like there's when he said he has no trauma and he doesn't. I know. Kid, you are you are literally the textbook definition. Yeah. And him needing to support his family financially and them depending on that. There's a lot there. But I do think that there is a I think that there is a flawed person. The focus being less so on the flaws, which are incredibly important within the construct of this conversation. And the more the fact that there is a person like. Yeah. But he needs to he needs to make the decision to work on himself and the response to that, the parameters that someone working with him might offer to him as, you know, this is the construct of how we need to work together is that there there's a difference in my eyes between not drinking and being sober. A oh, sober yeah. lifestyle in a sober world has many aspects of work, which is obviously constructed around not drinking. But that is to Way be more. sober. It is a very, very. I am not sober. I have never struggled in that way with um, alcohol or drug addiction. But from my understanding of it, the universe that exists within a sober landscape it affects so many aspects of work and responsibility and accountability in your life because it's all connected. It's not the universe of drinking alone. It is the universe of your life that oftentimes needs to be adjusted and in some ways moved on from and whatever else. And so for me to hear Sandoval talking about like, I'm not, I haven't had, I've been sober for 30 days because he's saying that he hasn't had alcohol is not necessarily an example of a sober journey and a sober life. And also look at how he is trying to further weaponize a person's potential drinking issue against themselves to support and aid silence, which could potentially protect Sandoval from further critique. Like his use of shaming and the reveal of information is so incredibly manipulative and vile, which doesn't take away from James being a broken person who has some issues here and some ongoing rage, which isn't going to be removed by the removal of drinking, it's a part of the process. It's just, it's incredibly manipulative and very fucked up. I mean, I think when you look at people who can do really cruel or, you know, they, they, they appear to be really cruel at times or they, you know, are, have really big issues like that. So mm. you have someone like Sandoval and then you have someone like James. I think there's a difference where there's, I think you can kind of sense that there are different types of people where the rage and the evil and their potential for hurt is like simmering on the surface and they're just sort of like flaming it at whatever comes their way you know sort of like shooting from the hip with their terrible behavior and then you have someone like Sandoval who can keep it calm and cool 
on the on the outside. You might not get a rise out of him. Like you might not get an instinctual rise out of him. But he is planning his cruelty in a way that is so much more insidious to the person receiving it. And effective. Yeah. And and effective and and dangerous, I think, in the long term, because you can get involved with someone like that. Whereas someone like James is like, they're warning you from far away. Right. And that's helpful. So yeah, I mean, I think James could I think James could really, really, really use some help. And I agree with you. It's not just about the drinking. I think he does think it is, oh, drink the drinking will fix it. But it's or if I stop drinking, I mean, we've sort of seen him struggle with that. You know, I think he would probably deal with issues of being like, I guess, I don't know if this was the appropriate word to use, like a dry drunk. Mm. And I think that that is something that you're not, we're not going to get on the show. Because, I mean, I, I hadn't listened to this, but someone had told me about a podcast that Stassi did where she was talking about how the show really rewards you acting terribly. Yeah. And if you have these conflicting narratives of like, oh, I should be like a good, nice person, do considerate things, or I should lean into every shitty instinct that goes through my head, you're like going to become and act like a very bad person if you have rewards that are incentivizing you to act badly. So, I mean, fundamental structural issue, but... But it's it's been really just an outstanding format of TV to watch. I'll just say that. It does. And it doesn't take away or it's not it shouldn't be then taken in as like, oh, I should feel ashamed for enjoying James on the show because he is not just one aspect of himself. He is also really funny, very quick, incredibly smart. That's just not the only part of him. And the use of some of these other darker aspects, the use oftentimes of his girlfriends to be a salve to this, the way he was even, this is such a small moment, but the way he was even like looking at his nails to me as like a sign of anxiety and nervousness when Raquel was brought up, that like I'm supposed to show that she doesn't mean anything to me. So I'm just going to like look at my nails here, which he did a couple times. There, I know what you're, yeah, right? Like, like there a... were other, mo- it was not, it wasn't even a tick to me. It was like a sort of a, def- a self defensiveness or like a performative, this is just the, oh, I'm, I'm kind of bored right now. I'm where to bored. put the energy. It was a place yeah. to put the energy. And with James, I think he struggles with where does the energy go and listen he's had some of the lines like poop I mean poo heads worm of the mustache he's very quick he's very funny I'm glad to see him doing well professionally yeah. which is the thing that he referenced I'm making so much more money than you but like what's the cost of that there's also some other stuff going on and ideally he comes to a point in his life where it's not about losing his girlfriend that propels him to go to therapy. It's like, wait, I think I'm losing myself. Yeah. I mean, you could be a DJ with a likable personality that isn't, you know, that's the thing. Now he actually has something that he could do and he doesn't have to keep acting like an idiot on TV for people to stay interested in him. If We're he still going to like him. I We're still going to like him. Look, he's a funny guy. You're right. He's always going to be funny. Even if he does go on a sober journey, he probably would have years of struggles because it's a real thing to go right. through and like address what's underneath all of that. But I do think he could be a star without having to be an asshole like Lala. But and you can yeah. still be an asshole. But right. like, what's the in cost of that going to be? Like, look at Lala, yeah. four and a half years of sobriety. And it's not us saying that this is the thing that he has to do. It's us just acknowledging that there are 
some dark elements of James that he yeah. is trying to either deflect or protect regardless of, or regarding dependent on whomever is presenting them to James, a.k.a. the group. You know, it's a longer conversation for him and potentially a longer journey. Hopefully it won't require something happening with him in a relationship or someone leaving him or whatever else for him to say, I need help, not because this person I love is recommending it, but because I need to start to figure out how I can love myself. Yeah. And just, you know, on in terms of like feeling guilty about watching this, I feel no guilt because to be honest, this kind of shit happens every day. And there are people like, yes, this is, we're seeing it and it's like, wow, how crazy is it? But like, I've heard stories of people who have slept with their best friend's husband, like mm. for a long time, had long affairs. Really? Like it's not. People in your life? Not in my life, no. Okay. But I've heard, you know. Other you stories. Hear, no, I've just, heard yeah. people have reached out to me with their stories. Right. It's, and it's, it's like, incredible. And it's like, it's okay. It, it, these kind of wild things happen. It's they not do. like all the time. I don't want to make anyone paranoid. But like, it's not. This is this isn't the first person. This isn't the first time it's happened. And it's probably not the last. And I think that's why I'm like, okay, I don't like, sure, we're just these people submitted to filming and we're compensating them or they're being compensated to film that and to show that. And I've always felt like watching Bravo is like a study of the human condition. behavior yeah. and the condition. And because you see it in, at its most extreme, what drives people. And it's, it's honestly, it's, hallmark of of our culture so yeah and there's value that can come from these conversations including the ways that people express judgment from the perspective of the audience to members of the cast and trying to watch members of the cast try to handle each other I think that's what's been so astounding as you said this started as a group of people uh, obviously others have joined the cast Lala was not necessarily best friends with any of these people before she was cast on the show. And yet she has now established a really close long-term relationship with several members. It's something that can happen regardless of how poorly seasons eight and nine potentially <laughs> went. But um, I think that that's why we continue watching the story and why this has broken through in so many ways. Because as we, you know, an ongoing conversation on AG is who's your spiritual housewife, not your favorite, but the person you identify with. And in that way, as Vanderpump Rules is not necessarily an identifier, the hope is maybe at least at the beginning of the journey, you don't identify with any of these people. And yet the storytelling is so engaging. And now we've grown a little bit as these mm -hmm. members of the cast have grown and matured as the stakes have gotten higher. The So too, I think, has the relationship between the audience and members of the cast, which is why the Sandoval stuff stands out and why there's been so much anger and frustration because Tom and now I guess Raquel are trying to go back to the past. Well, you know, even though you guys, there wasn't a relationship construct in place, James and Lala fucked each other so you can't have a voice. And the missing part is, but the cast has matured from that. The cast has grown. That's why Katie and Schwartz didn't work out in many ways because Katie was growing and Schwartz refused to. He said, I have to stop. I can't go any further. I have to stay where I am or go back. It's the same example. It's the conversation that Tom Sandoval doesn't want us to have. The reason that those examples no longer work is not just because time has passed. It's because these people have evolved past that point and he has not. He is still exactly the guy that maybe 
in some ways Jax was however many years ago. But even Jax off camera after being fired has ostensibly grown. That's the conflict here. That's the separation between, I think, Sandoval and large portions of the audience who themselves have also grown. The conversation, not with everybody, but the conversation around like Raquel and Sandoval, the conversation around don't blame Ariana for this. As much as Sandoval wants us to focus on that, the audience has grown and matured. We've not all of us and not in the ways that people have talked about Raquel, but there's a maturity that has taken place that he's not been a part of. Yeah. And I mean, again, the stakes really are higher. Yeah. And he knows that because he is the one who borrowed hundreds of thousands of dollars from his mother. He's the one that sometimes created those stakes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, when they were cheating, when they first started the show, they didn't even know what the show was. They didn't know that this was going to last. Now they have full lives and they have publicists and they have, it's like, okay, even if it was exactly the same, people are supposed to learn and grow. So it's really not cool that you did the same thing anyway, even if it was okay then, which it wasn't, as we know. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, you, okay, so you're saying because you did the same thing and you didn't get in enough trouble mm-hmm. that that means that you could just do it again. So, I mean, he's, it, it, it's hard to have a conversation with someone who is, you know, ref, you know who's refusing to see it. Yeah. And I don't know where the story goes from here. Um, I did a Patreon episode immediately after watching the uh, part two of the reunion, which you guys can listen to right now on the page and uh, unpacked a satchel of gold. Satchels of gold are listener yeah. thoughts and feels, questions yeah. and concerns, named in honor for <laughs> holiness, Kelly Clorn Ben Simone, which AG sent to me over DM or email. And I got a satchel from a licensed therapist known in the AG world as Hannah in Chicago, who was responding to the use of mental health diagnoses as a pejorative, both by members of the cast and members of the audience and understanding a little bit more the consequences of some of this, but also the way to take a step back and look at behavior and say, listen, I'm not diagnosing anyone, but I am presenting a universe in which some of this behavior uh, fits is fascinating to me. And that's also where we get into the you know, these shows remove the guilt from the idea of a guilty pleasure because there's value in understanding even the ways that some of us communicate about these shows, the impact of that in a larger universe, including negative impact, the way that we use different forms of language to try to explain a person's behavior to each other. I have to put it in this specific category because that helps me understand why a person would do these things. And yet at the end of the day, we don't actually know. You know, it's it's all so incredibly fascinating to me. It really is. It is. And I think that if I, there was one thing from these conversations that I would want to kind of like be more understood is that like yeah. not every explanation is an excuse. Mm. It's usually not. It's more like, okay, it doesn't excuse something, but it is interesting and informative and helpful to explain it, even if you're not trying to excuse it. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's the way to process. And again, that gets into Sandoval's absolute disinterest in having that take place. Because if we process his poor behavior, what does that say about the man? That's what he wants us to do the least of anything else. This isn't who I am. It's what I did. But also what I did is connected to Ariana. And also, if it's not who you are, then then take accountability. Because it's easier to believe that it's not who you are if you're willing to admit that it's what you did and that it was wrong. 
Yeah, but also, who are you? He can't, ex- he can't, he can't explain it. Because who you are at the end of the day is oftentimes what you've done. Especially these big things. Yeah. Like You this. could have not fucked her. Right. You could, you could have, have not fucked her repeatedly. Nine years. Like, nine okay, years. you're, when you think about it, it's like, okay, this thing that is a quarter of your life, it's not a little thing. You know, you didn't just cheat on like some girlfriend like for two like uh, two months you know yeah and you picked this specific person this time it's not the only time but this specific time you went with this person there had to be a reason for that yeah these are the big acts from which are who we are it is that that's where it comes from not like oh did you throw the throw fifteen thousand dollars at james for this Mm. because you a don't seem to really value money or understand how it works and B, because there was clearly something going on there. Like the image of you being someone who is generous is not who you are. This, yeah. the way you treated this person who trusted all these people who trust you is who you are. Sammy, I am obsessed with you. I knew I have wanted to have you on Andy Scrolls for literally since the beginning of days. I'm obsessed with following you on social media. I'm obsessed with your voice. I literally, not to like pat myself in the back, I knew this was going to go exactly like this. I, knew I did it was. too. I, I did too. Was. I was like, I, I, was. I, we haven't met in person yet, no. but this is the perfect in person yeah. meeting. <laughs> and I knew too. I knew too because obviously I follow you and like, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, we're in the community together. We are. The community of. internet conversation (laughs) you know it's like i think of it as like what is the what's like the main character of the internet because people used to do the main character of twitter which is just its own little nightmare Mm. it's more like what's the main character of the conversation yeah it's www.fucktom.com backslash not literally yes. dot net yeah. dot creed thoughts oh my god yes. i mean for real put is it what in it your is. word document put it in a word yeah. document and call it a day sammy can you tell the folks how they can follow you on social a little bit about betches for three people listening who are not currently aware and about your work as the host of morning announcements Okay, I can do that. My name is Sammy Sage, as you've been listening to me for the past hour talk about the Vanderpumps. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of Betches Media. We are everywhere. We're on TikTok, Instagram. We have a bunch of podcasts, newsletters, you know, web, all of the things you would expect from a modern media company. We talk about everything from Bravo to moms, wellness, dating. I My main thing is politics. So mm-hmm. politics and news and, you know, pop culture, sort of all that stuff combined. So you can listen to me every morning on the Morning Announcements podcast. It's five minutes or a little more, a little less, where I break down all all the news headlines and I do it with snark and you know a little bit of sass love sass commentary and it's really quick and you that's it's just the easiest way to figure out what's going on without having to you know dive too deep um stress yourself out too much um what else I'm also I know you I know the listeners have probably heard Dylan Hafer many times so I am I am doing a Vanderpump Rewind podcast with him on the mention it all Mm. feed which I'm sure many of you have heard of on um, Fridays, we are starting with season one, and oh then we're going to see how much everybody likes it. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, I hope – I feel like, you know, I feel like everyone here would enjoy that. And are you going through episode by episode? Yes, we're Shut doing on Fridays. Oh, my so, God. That's yeah, there's, incredible. I think, three up already at this point. Wow. So, yeah, I talk a lot of pop culture, talk a lot of news, and I don't know, they're kind of one and the same, weirdly. I love it. And did you say where people can follow you on social? Oh, do you give your handle? Yes. I am at Sammy, S-A-M-I, on Instagram. And on TikTok, I am at Sammy Sage Says. 
Incredible. Guys. And Twitter, too. I mean, if you're still on it, God bless you. I, I don't mean, know. I'm on it, but like it's not the same. It's just yeah. more like I need there to be a place where I can put two sentence thoughts. Yeah. That is not just like, oh, I'm going to put it over a selfie of me on Instagram right. because it just feels so <laughs> like I don't want you to perceive me. You know, just read uh, my read this. I mean, <laughs> that is where I, I live my best life in Instagram stories. That's truly where I kind of share it all. That's I, where I mention it all. I want to. I it's hard like it's hard it's hard to keep it up like sometimes yeah. I'm I get real you know I wish I could be because also like with work I'm like you've got a lot going working on. I'm like okay like when am I gonna get to like fuck around on Instagram right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a hashtag fuck around and find out speaking yeah. of follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley that Patreon episode which was an hour long real expression of what the fuck is going on with all things VPR and more including that supersized psychology 101 satchel can be found now at patreon.com slash andy's girls and if you haven't listened to our forthcoming slash we're about to record it except i think it goes out first episode talking about the succession finale on taking it personally the newly launched series presented by andy's girls hq where we have the same kinds of conversations about the ideas of identity psychology and community with other forms of tv talking about all things succession you can listen to it on the andy's girls feed just subscribe to what you're listening to now and when those eps come out you get to go all in um speaking of all things all in sammy thank you so much for coming on ag first time in the cloth first of many hopefully i love the cloth i feel right at home here and i can i will be back you're gonna have to get shit that throw me out so yeah. you're yeah. gonna be sleeping on the couch is what i think I, is gonna happen i am liking the people's it people's couch. yes okay, of oh, the people's, the people's yes. couch i'm loving that <laughs> um loved this episode love all of you for listening and we will chat with you soon thanks guys Bye bye <laughs> <laughs>